0: Yeah, yeah. Pro fan sports podcast. Let's get it. Pro fan. Tune into the program. Every single week, get the dope, fam. Sean on the mic, very flat too. Keep you updated. That's what we do. Pro fan. Tune into the program. Pro fan. Tune into the program. Pro fan. Tune into the program. Every single week, get the dope, fam. Yo, 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 what to do, everybody? It's your boy, John Altado, a pro fan sports podcast where the fans of the pros go back at you with episode 79, as always, my boys, Vlad, Barry, and this week, we got news editor at Fox Sports, a podcast host at uh, the Shameless, almost Shameless podcast with Tanya Ray Fox, and it's Anya Ray Fox, welcome to the show.
1: Thank you. Thanks for having me, guys. You're um, a real good group of guys. We got to chat a little bit right before we started recording, so... That was really nice. I've been looking forward to being on with you. I love talking to new people about the things I rant to myself about. So this is great. I look forward to being able to hash it out with you guys this week.
0: Absolutely, man. It's definitely great for you to come on the show because you know I don't know if everybody knows she's you know an up and coming hot shot out here. So you know she's doing her thing. Um, <laughs> <you know. laughs> That's right. That's fact. Before we start the show, make sure you're subscribing to the channel. Um, you know, pushing that bell notification, you can get all our episodes and make sure you know you're liking the video so that people that enjoy the same amount of content or the same type of content can reach as well. And of course, you know we have Tommy Ray Fox, and you know what we're going to talk about because we got to talk about it. Uh, the Patriots, man, you know. Um, and before we get to what's coming up, you know, let's let's talk about what just happened with uh, you know the Patriots versus the Saints. You know, um, it, it was definitely a hard game. Um, what were your thoughts on the game and what do you think went went well and, you know, obviously, what do you think went wrong?
1: Yeah, I mean, there's very little that went well, unfortunately. Um, as per usual, Nick Folk always coming through. That's always good to see. I was joking on, mm-hmm. on Sunday that, like, it really has just become like a Nick Folk-based offense at this point.
0: <laughs> Oh, yeah. Like two years in a row.
1: I know. I know. Yeah. It's wild. It's wild. So there, you know, there's that. listen, I really like the way that the front seven is playing. Like I, they're there. It's not, I'm not worried about it. I I think Matthew Judon is the perfect addition. I like the way the linebackers are coming along. I think that they're tackling well. The secondary is just off without Stefan Gilmore, which I told everybody like without Stefan Gilmore, um, that, that they wouldn't be able to cross that threshold into elite because a lot of a lot of people still think that that defense has the capability of being elite. And with J. C. Jackson on the other side, it's like you're missing that extra, um, you know, that extra coverage in, in the secondary that they really need. Uh, especially when you're playing a team like the Saints, who aren't afraid to throw it downfield. Sean Payton has like very little qualms about that. He's one of the best offensive guys out there and you just they they just really struggled on that front but i really was still by and large fairly impressed with the defense the saints are not an easy team to play I think we got lulled into a false sense of security last week with the, you know, with the Panthers kind of kicking their asses, but that team is listen, division teams, division games, all rules go out the window. Everybody should have known that game was going to be a different ball game than week 1 and week 3. So, they're a good team, and then offensively it's just one of the worst games we've seen in a really long time. And this oh, yeah. is what happens when you have an uncreative offensive coordinator paired with a rookie quarterback who has uh, still a ton to learn about reading defensive schemes and anticipating the blitz and all of this stuff that he still hasn't fully gotten under himself with. And then on top of it, he's not super athletic. He stays in the pocket. The offensive line is struggling. Like I don't blame this on Mac. I blame this on the people who have put Mac in this situation with a team that should have been capable of going to the playoffs. And now it's starting to look like they're not because the quarterback's not ready. And that's not, his fault did yeah, you
0: absolutely did go ahead black
2: did you call um did you call the offensive coordinator not creative?
1: yeah oh wow
2: you you don't think josh mcdaniels is a creative offensive coordinator can you tell us more I- about that
1: well, I think he, so the good thing about Josh McDaniels is he's like very good at anticipating when to use a trick play, when to like throw random two tight end sets in there, or when to do that flea flicker that he loves, you know, with whatever wide receiver can throw the ball, What like those things he's, he's done an amazing job in the past of designing two point conversion plays, like, because he has such a brilliant um, mind in terms of being able to retain information, a lot like Belichick, he is a lot, he's a, like a live Library of information, but he has only really succeeded with one quarterback, and that quarterback's Tom Brady, who would make most offensive coordinators look good. I like Byron Leftwich, but, like, let's be honest, Tom Brady is running that offense. And so yeah. down in Tampa. And so we're seeing it, you know, a lot of what Josh does is he is just really conservative. And he has a and I'm not saying that there's that many other plays to be to be called with Mac right now, but to not rely more on the run game. To not try to bring Mac along a little bit more with play action, like that kind of stuff has to happen in 2021 and he's not doing it. And it's like I understand that they're trying to win games right now, but if Mac can't be more multidimensional as a slightly undersized, unathletic pocket quarterback, things are gonna fall apart really quickly. Like this guy's not Tom Brady. People don't realize like Tom Brady's got three inches and 25 pounds on Mac Jones. Like People don't understand that this guy is like not Tom Brady even physically, let alone obviously, you know, being a rookie.
0: Yeah, I mean, I'm going to have to kind of like agree with, with Tanya right there because I was saying the same thing starting last year, you know, with some of the stuff that was going on with Cam Newton on offense. And, you know, just like conservative is definitely the word, right? Um, and it seemed like it's not really, a lot, he's not really scheming guys open very much, you know, right. a lot of the times. And, you know, uh, the, the calls on early downs and in the red zone, you know, to me, it's like, it's not it at all, you know, um, running the ball a couple, you know, to start off drives two times and not really doing much. And it seemed like the defense are always knows exactly what's coming, you know, because we haven't been able to create much much yards at all. So. Yeah, I
1: mean, it's a good point about Mag, uh, about Cam Newton, too, because Cam Newton should have been running way more, you know, read options and the RPO should have been more involved. He should have been throwing downfield way more than he was. I understand that the weapons weren't always there, but listen – NFL players, NFL players, someone's going to get downfield and eventually they're going to get open. And when your offense is already falling flat, opening it back up, taking risks, taking, you know, trying to convert on fourth downs, you wouldn't normally convert on things like that, especially when you have a veteran quarterback who's not afraid to run the ball, who is powerful in the red zone. Cam Newton's one of the best red zone quarterbacks in the history of the NFL. And certainly over the last 20 years, they didn't utilize him enough in that way. And it's frustrating because... Um, that is obviously carrying into it's. Like, it wasn't the Cam Newton thing where it was like, hey, I haven't worked with a guy who's been this mobile. His arms still like he's still rehabbing it. He doesn't quite have the mid-range game anymore. Like there's, you know, there were difficulties there. But to your point, like they were not doing what you could do with Cam Newton, and it was just like guys, and I, they're falling into the same trap again with Mac, where it's like, I don't. Where did you go out and get these two tight ends for? If you're not going to use them, and if you're not going to run something a little more exotic than just like the base tight end set, things like that.
2: No, I hear what you're saying, Tanya, but I was just gonna say with the tight ends, I mean, we're not getting <laughs> anything from them, like, there's no pr- production from them. And when they you do try to use them and go to them, you know, they should be getting more targets, but when you are. When they are getting the targets, they're either dropping them, can't get separation from a parked car, or just giving up pick sixes like Lewis Smith did yesterday, which was absolutely putrid. So it's like I don't think that the coaching staff, particularly Josh McDaniels, has much trust in these tight ends to go to them, you know, what I'm saying as often and as consistently as they should, because when they have gone to them. For the most part, the plays, you know what I'm saying, haven't been very good for for the Patriots. And, you know, in particular yesterday was a prime example of, you know, of that not going so well, particularly Jonu Smith, who I don't know how you could, if you could even have a worse day as a tight end. But that was just like, my goodness. like
1: It was bad. Yeah, it was
2: yeah, bad. Yeah, I think an understatement I'm, I'm having a loss of words, and I'm hardly ever in a loss of words. <laughs> I don't that was- Believe him. <laughs> I
1: believe you. No, I I feel the same way. i very. I always have something to say. So and and it was bad. Um, uh, you know, this is the thing. Is Johnny was like not a butterfingers guy, and so something was off, right? So you know, to your, uh, you are a hundred percent right. It's an in, inexcusable performance. I'm not here to make excuses for dropping that many passes, allowing mm-hmm. pick sixes, things like that. Right. Um, but something mm-hmm. is off with the timing with Mac and the tight ends. It's pretty clear. I think that a lot of that has to do with the offensive line. People forget that tight oh, yeah. ends are so often playing in the blocking game and especially Johnny Smith um that's like a big part of what they do and that line has not been steady they're they're rotating in replacements for Brown and it's it's just not going well and so something is off like I don't know mentally or timing wise with those guys where Johnny was just like totally incapable of doing his job and I there you know I have not seen enough from Mac and from Josh McDaniels play calling so far for me to put the onus entirely on a proven guy who was pretty steady, like Johnny was a pretty good tight end. He was nothing exceptional, but he got, you know, he did his role. He was expected to have an elevated role in the Patriots versus where he was in Tennessee. But mm-hmm. like this is a proven NFL player and he's coming in and having a game that bad. And now I have to look and say, well, what's wrong and where can you actually like where can the blame shift a little bit? off of a guy like that and to me when you've got a team committing that many penalties and making that many stupid mistakes and you've got Mac completely like he's pressured all game long and there's just no rhythm or consistency or momentum in the game whatsoever and mm-hmm. you realize mm-hmm. okay maybe the guy who's getting targeted so much is really just becoming the scapegoat and so it's it, I'm still putting blame on Janu. I don't because I don't disagree with you that it was like awful, an awful, awful performance. But there, something is broken, and and I can't put my finger on it. So no, for sure, you, you it's talked about- a
2: mental thing. With, with, with for him. sure, and uh, yeah, and I, I think certainly you know they've got to find a way to fix that. Um, without a doubt, I think you know certainly they got to look to also get that like you said that offensive line is the biggest issue that team and with that offense because as we know everything starts from the offensive line and if the offensive line can't play well you can't do anything on offense you can't run or throw the the football and and this was supposed to be the strongest unit in the strongest position on this team and uh, particularly since they you know you have a bunch of veteran guys who've been very good players for a while and even the young guys you know like the you know Michael Winn who's in, uh, you know and the other guys that have you know been playing are usually pretty good and and they just have and even Isaiah Wynn, who's like decent and not bad has just been my goodness he's been a train wreck like guy just looks like Locke lot out there like the tv show like he's just like my my goodness, this this doesn't look like he knows what he's doing and doesn't, you know, look like he's confident and the whole line as a whole has just been an absolute hot mess to say the least. So yeah, we're here with
0: Tanya Ray Fox, you know, going over the Patriots performance against the Saints um on Sunday and you know, we'll we'll talk a little bit about what's to come. But um I believe we were talking about, you know, the the offense, offensive line, Barry was talking about that, how you know, it was basically supposed to be one of the strong suits on the team, right? We heard that all offseason, that the O-line, Trent Brown's coming back. You know, we got Andrews in the middle and Wynn on the other side right there. So we're supposed to be one of the best O-lines in the the league, right? And what we've seen is Maxman struggling, you know, pretty much from from the beginning. You know, we got Trent Brown went down, and it's been a disaster since then. It's been, you know, a revolving door of uh, players coming in and out, of the O-line, um, but I did want to ask about, you know, because we were talking about Josh McDaniel, creativity in the offense, right? Um, obviously, we had Tom Brady for 20 years here, you know, and we got so used to seeing a certain offense. You think Do you think this offense should have been changed a bit, you know, because I feel like they try to make Cam Newton fit into what we do, and that wasn't working, and I feel like Mac is, you know, he obviously has similarities, of, you know, with Tom Brady, but he's not Tom Brady, and some of the stuff he did in college was different also. Do you think we need to go and try to implement more of that stuff so that he's more comfortable?
1: Yeah, I think, I mean, what Mag's doing so far is, is you know, how he's played as a rookie is still objectively not bad. And he's still fairly accurate. There's, you know, he's still getting the ball out at a decent time when he's able to get it out, even under pressure, like, I'm seeing some good instincts in terms of his ability to to game manage, right? And he's going, most rookie quarterbacks are game managers to start out. If you have to start as a rookie, that's what you're doing. And at least if you're on a good team that's trying to actually move along. And the Patriots are still a team with enough talent that they should be good. So he needs to be a game manager. And so they're not going to do anything that's like, incredibly exotic but to your point he's not tom brady first of all his arm is go back and watch tom brady from 2001 2003 2004 2005. tom brady could still sling the ball and he could he was still accurate down um mac is not there he does not have it when you see him get a ball downfield watch him he's off the back foot he's putting his whole heart and soul, the souls of his future children, into that throw. It's, he, he's going to dislocate a shoulder. It's bad news bears. And so, like, they, they've they got to start to figure out exactly, first of all, he shouldn't be throwing down the middle of the field because he can't get there. He should be hitting the sidelines. They're not doing that. It's these tiny little adjustments. Um, he, like, his he doesn't throw particularly, um, like, he's not able to get the, up by the shoulders. A lot of the stuff is going down, waist and below. Which, you know, a lot of Patriots media likes to like salivate over the idea that he's like putting the ball where no one else can get it. And he's like throwing it so that, you know, it can't. No, no. He just, the timing is off and his arm's not that good. And that's okay. That's okay. He's going to get better. His mechanics are going to get better. All of that. But he is not... Like, he is not throwing the ball where only the receiver can get it. He didn't even do that in Alabama. He didn't have to. He had two absolute freaks of nature running down the field to catch balls. So, and he had the offensive line that was, like, bigger than most humans, like, just destroying other college players. So, like, there, when it comes to how to play call for him, no, I don't think it should be particularly – I don't think it should be that much different than what they were doing with Tom Brady, but I do, would like to see it more run heavy and a little bit closer to what the Browns do with Baker Mayfield because I know Baker has an insane arm. He's a he's a different kind of athlete, but the way that they scheme for him, they take a lot of the pressure off him by having the run game be such a part of what they do. Now, do the Patriots have Nick Chubb? No. Do they have Kareem Hunt? No, but they have players that can be utilized similarly to similar effect. And for whatever reason, those running backs aren't capable. They're not like getting their rhythm going. Losing James White is not going to help matters. Uh, He has that hip subluxation now. We don't know when he's going to be back. And getting back to the offensive line, I mean, you can only like this is only going to make things harder for Josh McDaniels because if you don't have Trent Brown on the blind side, that ruin that sets everything up as a domino effect. And Trent Brown is the biggest human body on that line by a lot. So you're like just size wise losing so much. Um, we remember how important he was to the Super Bowl run against the Rams like Trent Brown was one of the most important players on that team. We're not talking enough about the loss of that guy at left tackle. Um I think the I think the offensive line is going to get it together. I like there's too many good players. Like you said, like there's just like Shaq Mason and David Andrews and these guys like the, everybody will get their self so, themselves together. But Josh has to like You can't, you know, part of this makes me feel like the Dante Scarnecchia missing piece here is probably an issue because Josh didn't have to coach up the offensive line in past years when they had Dante Scarnecchia there, like the, maybe the greatest offensive line coach in the history of the league. And now this, it seems to be the, like the pieces aren't coming together. So it's more systemic and like how he's able to move pieces around than it is to be, like, uh, he's not going to turn into Sean McVay or Kyle Shanahan overnight. He's not going to be, you know, he's not going to be running these, like, weird, you know, West Coast offense hybrids and whatever else. Like, it's not going to happen, and that's okay with someone like Mac. But you have to get fundamentals down. You have to establish what your identity is as an offense, and they don't have one.
0: Absolutely. I was going to say, you know, Dante Skarniecki is not walking through that door anytime soon. You know, sure. so. That, that nope. Tough a great point and you know to something else yeah. you were talking about is the running backs right we saw like you said james white went down with that with that hip issue and you know we had damian harris but you know mac ended up being the leading rusher on the team right for the for the whole game but my thing is mm-hmm. for a long stretch in the second half we didn't see damian harris and we saw brandon bolden <laughs> and I was like losing my freaking mind. I'm like, I'd rather see, you know, Little Taylor out there than a Brandon Bull. You know, so I I don't understand like what the logic behind that was. I mean, he, I get it. He's a reliable guy, he's been on the team for a long time, he knows the system. But what you know when you need to actually do something out there? Why why do we have Brandon Bolden? Yeah, no,
1: that's that's the biggest thing is like there's a lot of that with Josh, and so it's hard to it's hard to give him the benefit of the doubt when he's constantly going back to these old faithful these plays and these players that simply are not dynamic enough to make a difference. Um, you went out and spent money, get Johnny Smith working, get Hunter Henry working. We saw Kendrick Bourne do put in work that pass, that, time, that that was beautiful. that pass was not great. And he made it, it work. So we saw him, Nelson Aguilar is getting downfield and getting open. Nothing's happening. So Nothing's like, stop telling me that there's not enough. Like, you, and they should be power running, like you said with Damian Harris. They're just there's all these little things that I just I I hate to be that guy who's going to tell Josh McDaniels with all of his success <laughs> to figure something different out. But it you it's so hard to sit on the couch and see how flat and awful they were. And knowing, okay, like I see I see these little moments of brilliance from Kendrick. We see that Nelson Aguilar can speed down the field. By the way, Nelson Aguilar last year on the Raiders was like, Falling. he averaged he like was a reception. Like I know, I again, I understand Mac is not Derek Carr. I understand his arm's not there yet. That's why you need to scheme you don't have the smartest quarterback alive, the greatest quarterback alive, helping you out there anymore. And by the way, everybody can everybody can drool over how smart Mac Jones is. He is a rookie who played 30 games in college. Not a lot. He took less than 600 pass attempts in college. Not a lot. He did not have that much experience. This is not Russell Wilson. This is not like even Andrew Luck. These are not the guys who played, you know, started three, four years in college. You're not going to get like rookie of the year from this guy. He didn't have enough experience and he played on a team that was like so much better than everyone else they played. You can't like look, look at what has happened to Tua. His body is falling apart. We don't know what's going on with Jalen Hurts. Like I, these Alabama quarterbacks are like boomer bust because you're taking them out of a system that is primed to make any quarterback look good. That's why three of them are starting in the NFL. So I, I'm just so frustrated with the idea that Mac is some genius. That's impossible. It is impossible for you to come into the NFL and understand the kind of defensive schemes that are going to be thrown your way by guys like Brian Flores and like these defensive geniuses, these people who are like, really know what they're doing and put it on a 22 year old kid who's played 30 games for Nick Saban. It's just not gonna happen.
0: I mean, with that said, right, you know, I feel like with every loss that we suffer, um, every time that Mac doesn't have a great game, you know, fans, there's still a lot of fans that wish Cam Newton was still here. What do you say to that?
1: Yeah, I do too.
0: Oh.
2: I do too. I'm sorry, Tanya. So, sorry, but that one just made me laugh. So sorry about that. Good, 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 good. Go ahead. That, that was laughable. No,
1: you're fine. I So here's the thing. I, I'm i glad they drafted Mac. They needed to draft a rookie. They weren't going to, like, Camden's not a quarterback of the future for the Patriots. However, most rookie quarterbacks you've seen succeed as soon as they've been able to start. They were able to sit. Eight. The ideal, ask anybody. Ask, I promise you, ask any GM or coach of a team that's capable of making the playoffs, not the Jaguars, you know, not the Jets. I'm talking about teams like the Patriots who have good players, uh, like championship pedigree, who are looking to make the playoffs. You do not want to ever start a rookie quarter. It's never good. They rarely make the playoffs. They even more rarely win the game, win a game. It not, like, Mark Sanchez won a playoff game because his defense was out of their mind. Like, Andy Dalton, made a, he made the playoffs in his rookie year. Their defense was out of its mind. You Get need off, to have a crazy too. defense, a crazy defense to even make the playoff with a rookie quarterback. So, mm-hmm. no, yeah, I wanted a veteran. I think second year in the league or second year with the team is like a huge difference. They even admitted that. His arm is getting better. He he threw da- downfield really well last year. They just didn't call many downfield plays for him. He only threw over 20 yards, I think like 28, 29 times. But his like completion percentage on those was like 87%. So, he, you, now, so now you've got Nelson Aguilar. He's got someone to throw the ball downfield. Two tight ends. By the way, Cam Newton, remember what he did with, with Greg Olson? Like he does very well with having a really good tight end. You're going to give him two? Great. And then you open up some of these... Issues on the offensive line and everything else, like all of a sudden you've got somebody with a little bit more mobility. You have that running threat in the red zone. They have to account for that. They have to account for the run, spread right out the offense a little bit more. You're being you're able to stretch the field. Like these are all things they could have done with Cam while Mac is learning every single second that he's on that bench. Watching everything that he could pot, like taking it all in, watching learning, watching film and learning how these like offenses work and how these defenses work, how to read defenses, how to see certain things coming, all of that. So this isn't like a Mac versus Cam thing. It is a you have somebody now. Cam went seven and eight last year with no training camp, no preseason, coming off of injury on a brand new team that had eight COVID opt outs and Mm -hmm. an offensive system he'd never seen in his life. He went seven and eight after having COVID in the middle of it. And by the way, no, no one wants to talk about the fact that he ran for twelve touchdowns because he only threw for eight. But like, this was not an ineffective guy. He did he line up the stat sheet. No, did he have issues? Yes, but they're all really understandable. And so I said like, you know, right before they cut Cam, I said, "Listen, if they're going to cut Cam because they don't want to deal with the wild card of him being unvaccinated and then having losing him for games, like all of a sudden you don't have your starting quarterback because he didn't pass COVID protocol, fine. Like I understand that because you ha- you have to, you know, your Belichick is going to remove any sort of risk out of his team. Like he doesn't want to have to operate with that wild card, fine. But mm-hmm. Belichick point blank said that's not why he did it and that's not why he cut him. And I'm trying to figure out three games into the season what he's getting from Mac that he didn't think he could get from Cam and then I can tell you all kinds of reasons I just did, what you could get from Cam that you simply cannot get from Mac.
0: Absolutely. Um, I, I mean, when you put it like that, you know, I definitely agree that, you know, Mac could have benefited from sitting down a, a couple games at least. You know, personally, I wanted him to come in at some point. Um, when I saw the news, I, <laughs> I think everybody was, you know, jaw drop drop. you know what I'm saying, when, when we found that out. And you know, and he did say, "What are you gonna do when, when the bullets get live, right?" And that last, right. what was it, Funky Friday that he did, right?
1: Oh God, um, yeah.
0: <laughs> uh, but um, you know, the defense. We talked. You talked about how the defense, you know, did pretty good. Um, at at one point in the game, I, I believe they went three straight drives where they just like shut everything down and gave the offense back the ball. And you know, we brought it down to one score. And, you know, once again, the defense couldn't, you know, um, get the ball back and give it back to the offense to try and tie the game. Are you concerned about that? Or do you think it's just like, you know, inevitably the offense is going to do its thing?
1: Yeah, no, the offense is trash. And unless something gets fixed really quickly, they are going to lose way more games than they should. And you're absolutely right. The defense is pretty good. You know, the defense is pretty good. Unfortunately, you need playmaking defenses. You need like turnover forcing defenses when you have a rookie quarterback figuring their stuff out and right now this defense is good maybe better than good um but they are not elite they are not a defense you are terrified of and unfortunately no matter how good Mac gets this year no how no matter how much he comes along in this offense there is a ceiling to that as a as a rookie pocket quarterback and he's going to need the defense to force turnovers, to make plays, to give him the ball back over and over and over again. And like, that's just going to be their job the whole season, all season long. That's what they signed up for the day that Belichick cut Cam Newton and made a, a rookie guy, the starter.
0: Absolutely. Um I want to give, you know, Vlad and Barry a chance to ask any questions about the game that we just had cuz, you know, we're going to move on to what people are saying is the biggest game in Gillette Stadium history. You guys have any more questions about the past game? Mm-hmm. So, Sonya, it sounds like you're saying this is uh 8 and 9 season or 9 and 8 season at best. 8 yep, and 9. Correct on, am I correct? Ooh, 8 and 9. Ooh,
1: ooh. Yeah, I mean, so far they've only beaten the Jets. Like, what are we supposed to think, guys? You know, like they've, they, that was a very winnable game in my, at, at at home against Miami that they lost. And they just got really embarrassed. That was a really bad performance at home against the Saints. Like you're losing home games, like embarrassingly making stupid mistakes. And so, yeah, I'm not, I'm not giving a team that can't seem to minimize mistakes um, while they're bringing along their rookie quarterback and figuring out their offensive line and trying to get, you know, essentially get Stephon Gilmore back. Like I'm not giving them the benefit of the doubt. They have not earned it. So I do think that this is a closer to 500 team than an 11, or certainly not a 12 win team. So I mean, like the best that you know, this is a this is a situation where you go into it and ahead of the season, you look at the roster, you look at the potential for Mac Jones. And to me, my best hope was like a 10 and seven, maybe an 11 and what is it? No, 10 and
2: 11 11, and six
1: guys. I can't. (laughs) 17 games now. uh, (laughs) I can't do you know what I'm saying but now now I feel like geez nine and eight would be great um based on what we know right now you know based on what we know right now uh cam sorry mac is just like got more work to do They've got to get the offensive line healthy. Do I think that they can be better than they've shown in the first three weeks? Absolutely, I do think that. But they are going to be three and one after this week. That's a huge hole to dig yourself out of. And I am not ready to say, to show them my faith that they're 100% gonna be able to do it. They have not given me the reason to think that.
0: They're gonna be one and three. One and three.
1: Well, oh, I meant oh, one Lord. and three. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> now you've got my oh, number oh,
0: You know, I <laughs> wish, you know.
2: So one of the things I'm hearing you say is that the lack of Tom Brady is exposing Josh McDaniels, right?
1: <laughs> Yeah, no, it's definitely exposing Josh McDaniels. Um, oh. I, th- I mean, listen, Josh McDaniels was kind of getting exposed even in 2018 when they went to the Super Bowl. Like, that was a defensively very strong team. That was a defensive Super Bowl. Um, he, all props to Julian Edelman and Gronk in that in that – you know offense in, in that super bowl and on that offense but forget, for the most part don't
2: forget don't forget Sony Michel.
1: I would never forget Sony. <laughs> I would never forget Tony Sonny Michel. But yeah Sonny, so like Sonny. so you know it, it he it was already getting stale and there's a reason that that Brady was getting frustrated with the offense. There's a reason he looked like he wanted to be anywhere but and in Patriots games for most of the 2019 season. So yeah, Josh McDaniels is getting exposed without um, Tom Brady. Does it, Do I think that he's incapable of being a little bit better? Like, uh, uh, I just don't. I just don't buy into the idea that Josh McDaniels was a facade created entirely by Belichick and Brady. I think that's not giving him any credit and you know, he, this is a guy that's been interviewed as a, as he's gotten multiple head coaching jobs. He turned one of them down. I mean, other GMs and other teams see in Josh McDaniels the value of him. It's just a matter of him putting those pieces together and transitioning out of an offensive system that worked really well with the best quarterback in NFL history, and that's really hard. I I do not, you know, I'm not. I don't envy the position he's in. He has a lot to prove, and it's incredibly difficult. But it's time for him to do it.
2: No, for sure. And I think- Last question before- Go ahead. Last question before we move on is how much credit are we giving to the Saints defense?
1: I mean, the Saints defense is fine. You know, like they're they're fine. Like they have, you know, obviously they have a really good cornerback. He made really good plays. I like Latimore a lot. Um, but they're not, you know, they're not elite. This was just really a situation where they got a lot of pressure on a rookie quarterback who was like really off his game, and they took advantage of that. Um, they were really efficient on offense in a way that Jameis Winston's not normally. Jameis Winston's normally like a volume quarterback and so the fact that he was so efficient he actually played a lot like the Patriots would have liked to see Mac Jones play you know like it was just an efficient game you know no turnovers not a lot of yardage not a lot not a ton of passing but just like getting the job done and so you know, the, uh, on the flip side, it was giving the defense a chance to kind of just, like, reset because he was just staying really efficient. So, I don't give the Saints defense that much credit. I just think the Patriots' offense is pretty bad.
2: Would and, we'll and clear? <laughs> <laughs> no, definitely. Um, I think cer- certainly one, one of the things, we, uh, you know, this I think this may be a, kind of one of the things <laughs> you would get that Josh McDaniels needs to do is open up the playbook. And you you know and, and and start like you said being more creative and start uh you know actually you know calling plays to um you know to, to get some you know big big plays and get some big chunks and uh you know and, and look to go down the field more um you know instead of the you know of the of the short stuff because I think they they did that a couple times you know yesterday they tried to you know take some shots down the field but definitely would like to see that. More, I wanted to ask you, Tanya. uh, What do you think's wrong with the Patriots' defense? Because you say that they're playing well, but I'm not really seeing that. Because particularly with the front seven, I'm not happy with what I'm seeing from them. You beefed up and added all these big guys that they did, and you brought you know Dante Hightower and Kyle Benoit back. Um, You you know, and, and Matt Judon's been playing. Well, but the rest of these guys, I feel like they're not playing the way that they should be playing, and you know the level that we expect them to play. And I feel like they got exposed yesterday. Um, you know, not stopping the run, not um, doing a good job covering Alvin Kamara, who was wide open on that touchdown. So, what do you think is wrong with this Patriots defense, and what 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 can they do to fix it?
1: Uh, I don't actually, I don't see what you're seeing. Um, I actually think the defense is in pretty good shape, all things considered. I don't, um, you know, they haven't allowed a lot of points. They played well in, against Miami. They obviously destroyed the Jets, which isn't hard to do. Um, but I thought that for the most part they held their own yesterday. You can only do so much to stop an offense if your offense is not going to score and they're not going to stay on the field. Um, were there? Yeah, it's really hard to cover Al- Alvin Kamara. I mean, <laughs> most NFL teams have a hard time covering Alvin Kamara for sixty yeah. minutes. Well, it's just yeah, exa- it's just a long game after a while, right? And there, sure, there's like coverage breakdowns and things. I mean, if I if we did an all twenty-two and we really watched the film, I'm sure that there's some issues. I mean, the for me, I you know, I don't. I like the way that the linebackers and the pass rush are coming together compared to last season. Um, they, it's not, you can't compare it, like, they're not, they don't have Miles Garrett, they don't have Aaron Donald, they don't have that kind of guy. But as a unit, I feel like they're doing pretty well. Um, I think people are frustrated because they saw Jameis succeed yesterday and they're in their head, they're thinking, like, isn't this the Jameis who threw 30 picks like two years ago? And you know, isn't this guy like a turnover machine and blah, blah, blah. And the fact of the matter is he is not that player on the scene. And it's important that people under watch the, these teams play a little bit before we, the Patriots play them because um, Jameis is actually a, a very difficult quarterback to defend, he's super athletic. He's got a cannon for an arm. He got his LASIK surgery now so he can see downfield, which is huge. Um, He literally couldn't see shit on the field for most of his career, which is wild. Um, And he's got Sean Payton, who's a first ballot hall of fame offensive coach. So This this was not like the easiest uh, offense to defend. And I thought that they did a pretty good job. They held them back and kept the Patriots in contention for as long as they humanly could. Like they gave them a chance to tie it up and get that extra possession. Like that's, you want to see that from a defense when you're at home and you're, and your offense is giving you nothing, truly giving you nothing. And I liked what I saw that I still think absolutely that the secondary has got work to do in coverage and that without Stephon Gilmore, they're having a really hard time shoring that up um, because it ends up being a back and forth of like we can cover the run but we're like exposing our back end, or we can, you know, drop out into man coverage and we can make sure everything's taken care of, but the backfield starts being open. And so there are definitely some issues there, but I am not, I think the defense is going to actually keep getting better week to week. I actually think that they have gotten better week to week. And I liked how they started out against Brian, you know, against the dolphins. I mean, Tua was efficient that day, um, but he wasn't, you know, they didn't let him go off for anything. And you know, this is, this is, yesterday that same offense with Jacoby Brissett almost won a game in Vegas so you know I'm I don't have I'm not as skeptical of the defense as you are I really think this is a like a a, a defense that's being set up to fail by the offense.
0: yeah I'd have to agree with Tanya right there because defense gave the offense the ball back so many times yesterday and it, it it can only last for so long throughout the game. And, I mean, Jameis Winston threw for less than 200 yards yesterday. You yeah, know, and 128
2: that's, that's, to be exact. You know what
0: I'm saying? So, like, yeah. that's that's three games he has not, you know, thrown over 200 yards. So, you know, he's not being asked to do a lot. You know, and like Tanya said, he was very efficient. And, you know, if you give the ball back to Tom Brady that many times, I think this game's a blowout. You know, to be quite frankly with you, right there, with, with the with the guys that we have and his ability, I think this game's a blowout for sure. Some British defense was
2: giving him the ball back as many times as um, they gave it
0: to yesterday. Yeah.
1: <laughs> no, they but, were not.
0: But, they you know, he's, he's facing the Rams, right? That's, that's a problem, yes. you know. Yeah, they were
1: getting – Tom Brady was getting the ball back after the off- Rams offense was scoring. Yeah. Yes, yeah.
0: You know what I'm yeah. saying? Like, and and we we're, we're not the the Saints don't have um the Rams defense. I'll tell you that much. Um, you yeah, know.
2: Just um w- one quick thing before we move on. I hear what you guys are saying about the defense. Maybe I'm just you know what I'm saying over blowing it and uh you know and a little bit too skeptical about the defense. But just one thing that bothers me is that particularly at the end of these games when they in a in a situation where they have to get a stop and have to get off the field they're not getting the stop when they need to and they're not getting off the field when they need to i get like they're tired and they've been on the field for a long time and you know and, and, and you know and that they've had to be on you know you know they had to do a lot of plays because the offense you know couldn't hold in the ball and sustain drives but
1: Oh no! We're we still back. recording.
0: He'll be back. We're still recording. Let's
1: okay. go. Yeah, Sorry, but just uh,
2: like I, I was saying, just to finish up real quick. Um, but yeah, it's just like the, with the Miami game and the Saints game. The you know particularly at the end of that game where they have them in third and long, and you can you know get that just one more stop and get the ball to the offense, especially right after the offense scored. And, you know, they'd gotten some momentum and gotten some confidence and looked like they'd, you know, started to get some some rhythm and get get going. You know, they weren't able to do that. And that's concerning because both times they let, you know, the team just move the ball right down the field and, and close out the game and, you know, and, and not really do much to – to stop them so that's just one thing that really you know bothered me about yesterday and that was concerning was just in crunch time not being able to get the stop when you need to. Um,
1: in Miami they, they only allowed 17 points in a game where like the, the offense wasn't doing much and then they did give the ball back to the offense and they fumbled it away yeah. I, I just like. Right, I mean,
2: they did but even after that fumble they could have still gotten a stop and given them one more. They did.
0: No I mean game, you're just asking for a the lot. They, they let
2: them convert those. Um, no they the game was over the after two, the fumble. Those two third downs and boom, that was ball game.
0: Yeah, I mean, yeah, I think you're asking for a lot. You know, that, like, yeah, like we're know. Saying it's a long game.
2: Good. And
0: they haven't given more than, you know, 28 points all season. You know, it's only been three games, but we haven't given up 30 points yet. You know what I'm saying? So the defense is doing its job. It's just a matter of we're not able to keep up with teams that are actually scoring. You know, yeah. and at some point we got to be able to do that. We can't play from behind every single game and it looks like you mm-hmm. know the way the offense is moving the way the guys don't seem to be gelling yet that's what we're gonna have to do and it, that's a lot to ask for a defense you know no matter how yeah. good no matter how good they are you know and um now coming up we're gonna be facing you know the greatest quarterback of all time who needs only 68 yards to you know have the most yards all time he probably he's probably gonna accomplish that on his first drive,
2: you know? in right, the yeah, first saying. quarter, yeah. <laughs> you know
0: what I'm saying? Like, right, most likely right. he's gonna go straight down the field, you know, and, and, and get get that record and get it out the way because it's Tom Brady. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, I want to talk about that game, but obviously that's gonna be you know overkill this week, right? Like everybody and their mother's gonna be covering the same thing. Bill Belichick, their relationship, why he's here anymore? I, they man. already
2: have. They already you know. I, I'm,
0: I'm already tired. You know what I'm yeah. saying? But um, <laughs> what do you think about that game? I know, I mean, all of us, we're not stupid. We know there's no way we're going to win that game unless, you know, something crazy happens to that whole Buccaneers team. Um, but what are you looking for in this game, as far as what the Patriots can do to to improve? Um, do you think we can even make it a game at all?
1: Yeah, I mean, it's going to be really difficult. Mostly, you know, I think any NFL team can win any game any week, and I and I mean, and I don't mean it's an any given Sunday situation. Given I don't Sunday. think you should ever be able to say point blank, no one can win a game ever, um, and that. So I'm not doing that this week. I think the problem is that Tom Brady comes in, is coming in with such a chip on his shoulder. His his camp has made it clear that he feels he has something to prove still, that he has these leftover feelings for Bill Belichick. So he's going to be super extra motivated, which is terrifying because Brady doesn't ever lack motivation to begin with. And then you've got Mac, And so like, I think the biggest thing you can hope for from the Patriots is number one, that the defense hangs in there. And like you said if if by some, you know, chance, I mean, listen, the Rams defense held him to 17 points yesterday. Let's say the Patriots can hold him under 24. That would be really nice. Like if I could see something like that, that would be great. You just like keeping them in the low to mid twenties, um, and then also seeing, I want, you know, no turnovers from Mac and some composure, you know, like I don't expect him to do anything crazy. This offense is not going to fix itself in one week, um, but there is a way for Mac to earn a lot of self-confidence from this game because this is a really difficult spot to put a, a rookie quarterback. In. No rookie quarterback has ever had to deal with this much pressure in a regular season game in their. League. This is brutal. And I feel for him, a lot to have to be the quarterback in new England when Tom Brady comes back super bowl champion with another team knowing the whole country's watching that's going to break regular season, you know, Sunday night football records. Like it's going to be a record breaking game in terms of viewership. And that's so much to put on Mac's shoulders. So he can earn a lot of just like genuine goodwill, genuine like brownie points with me and I think with a lot of Patriots fans, by just being composed and being able to, like, just not give the ball over and give his, you know, give his defense a chance to work when they need to, and try to keep the ball as long as humanly possible without turning it over. I will take that as a moral victory, if I can see that from Mac, and if the defense can keep Tom Brady at bay. I mean, this week, like, he was his own team's leading rusher. <laughs> I mean, the, the Bucs were even running the ball it was wild. that's a those rams bucks games are so weird like they're just always bizarre um sean McVay coaches against tom brady better than like most coaches in the nfl maybe maybe ever um, mm-hmm. He just is always gets really amped up for those Tom Brady games. So, like, I don't want to get lulled into a false sense of security that you can keep Tom Brady under 20 points very often, um, especially mm-hmm. with that offense and all the weapons he has. Um, but, you know, I just – the thing I don't – listen, guys, I don't want to see a Brady-Gronk touchdown. I don't want to see it. <laughs> I don't want it on uh, my screen. I, know, I can't emotionally it, it's handle it. Happened, but
2: see,
0: the watch. I'm I'm in I'm in a hard spot because I have Tom Brady on my fantasy team.
1: Oh, okay. You know,
0: and it's like, Great. well, damn it, you know, I mm-hmm. <laughs> I want to see him do good, but I want to see him lose to us, you know. Um yeah, that's yeah, where I'm know. at. So mm-hmm. I think I think a lot. I think the all of New England is going to be you know torn this right. Um, some of us, a lot right. of us, you know went to Tampa Bay, you know, we're with Tampa Bay, you know, and and a lot of some of us are bitter and we're like, he's not on the team anymore. You know, let him do his thing. He's not here, and you see that it's natural. Right. Um, you know, going back to Mac, I feel like he did do some good things in the saints game. You know, what we saw his, um, you know, yards per attempt went way up. I think it was like 12 or something like that. When it was like three point something, um, to begin the year, um, and at the end of the first first half and the whole second half, I felt like he was doing some really good stuff. And the Buccaneers coming in, you know, their line's not really getting to the quarterback so much um, early on in the year. Do you think this is a game where we can actually let Mac do some things um, with the ball?
1: Yeah, I mean, you know... It's, it's funny because all our instincts, we've been trained over the course of 20 years to say like, when you go into a game like this, it's all about fundamental, all about being really careful and just like, uh, like remembering to do your job and whatever else. And that's true. It's still true. The mistakes that they've made, the turnovers that they've had specifically last season, but even, I mean, last week, but even like the whole season, there's been these weird penalties and weird sort of mental errors. They can't be doing that, but I do think that just sort of throwing a bit of the cautiousness out the window and opening things up and letting Mac make dangerous throws that are high risk, high reward might do him some good. I don't want, you can't turn the ball over in, in tough situations in like, like we're not trying to give the ball back to Brady with two minutes left. Like we're not doing any of that stuff, Right. But when the time is right and you have the opportunities and you're in your own half, you're in the other side of the field, you're on there, you know, 50 yard line past that, and you're able to make some maybe like more dangerous plays, ones that are open things up. I would like to see that. I would like to see Mac trying to get it downfield a little bit more. I don't want him to try to get balls that are 50 air yards because he physically can't do it. I'm not trying to see him get hurt, but like, I. You know there are. You won't be able to trust that Matt can do it, and he won't be able to trust that he can do it in the NFL and on the Patriots and in their system until you give him a chance and hamstringing him to the point where he feels like he's not even contributing to the offense at all next week is going to kill his confidence. Like you don't want him to feel like you're like babysitting him the whole game against Tom Brady because that's not gonna give him the like, I this is my team, I'm leading my team vibe. So there's a really perfect little balance they have to strike between like, listen bro, don't turn the ball over. Do not turn it over. You know, I mean, there's one thing, but there's a difference between stupid turnovers and, and ill-timed turnovers and things that can change the game for you and like throw in a pick when you're really trying to make a big play, when it's, it, that high reward is there and it just, it, you know, really good coverage. The guy comes in and it is what it is. I don't think every interception is something for us to pick apart. Um, so like, I'm not, I'm not anti him taking a little risk here and there It's just going to have to be really well-timed. And I think that that's something that that's going to fall on McDaniels to look at him and say, listen, there's going to be times where we're going to open you up. We're going to give you a chance to make some big plays, but like bear with me because the like timing when you're playing Tom Brady is everything. Nobody knows that better than Josh McDaniels and and Bill Belichick in time of possession, huge, huge thing. So keeping the ball out of his hands is a huge thing. And I think that that will give Mac some opportunity that he hasn't really seen in the first three weeks to be like, okay, I have, this is, I may not win this game, but I'm not giving it up without a fight. I, I, and I want to see that.
0: Absolutely. Um, You know, like we talked about earlier, we saw Brandon Bolden out there and, you know, we have Ramondre Stevenson, you know, did really well in the preseason and he fumbled that one time in the first game and we haven't seen him since. Can we afford to like not have players like that on the field? Because I feel like he he has some ability um he's probably the biggest guy out of the backfield already and I feel like he's a he's a back that can come in and actually help us if we're not going to you know apply the pressure and you know get in his head about fumbling and stuff like that you think we can afford to not have him
1: no I don't think they can afford it and that's the thing is it this is these this is not the days of um benching Wes Welker at the start of a playoff game because he said something stupid and like no we don't There is no Gronk. There's no Randy Moss. There's no nothing like you, but you put your players out there. I don't care what you got to do. Like, I'm fine. You want to, you want to like line, you want to go I formation with five running backs. I don't give a shit. Do whatever you want to do. Just (laughs) That's something that's going to work. And so like, you know, that's whatever you have to do to put Mac the offensive line and the players you do trust to succeed in, in a position to succeed you do it. Ramondre Stevenson, as you said, is a pretty dynamic athlete. And he was a pretty good college athlete, too. Great awesome. highlights from that guy. Yeah. So, like, this isn't – you don't have the luxury. You don't have the luxury of benching Ramondre. He's on your team. Until he's no longer on the roster, You like, I don't want to screw around with this. He's either cut or he should be playing. And you're a hundred Right, that they don't have. They they should absolutely be putting him out there. The run game is suffering, and they and they can't open up the passing game without establishing the run. A lot. I mean, not one game this this season so far have I really seen the run come together, and that's a sh- massive shame because that should be a strength of their offense.
2: Absolutely, definitely. Um, without question, they gotta run the football, and particularly this week, and and get the running game going. I thought they did a good job of that. Um, and we won against, uh, you know, against the Dolphins with the exception of the end of the game. But that definitely that's going to be a huge emphasis and a huge key for them to do and stuff. And I'd also like to see them get J.J. Taylor some more opportunities, some more, uh, you know, reps and, and, and snaps out there too. Like, you don't need to be playing Brandon Bolden, 25 snaps uh, in, in the office. <laughs> like, what are we doing here, right? You and Zolak says, like, why is he out there so much? Like, what, 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 what's he doing? Getting all this playing time. So th- those reps should be going to, like you said, um, Stevenson and uh, and J.J. Taylor. Those guys need to play because you know Damien Harris can only do so much. He can't play the whole game, and you don't want to, you know, overuse him and uh you know, and get put too much of the workload onto so that gas that the end of the game that doesn't have anything left in the tank. So definitely gotta run the football. Um you know, and use all those guys, uh, you know, effectively and stuff. Uh, I just wanted to ask you, um, well, to this point of your career, what's like your favorite moment and the one moment that has stuck out In all the you know places that you've been what would you say is the you know favorite for you in my career yes
1: oh that's a good question I think probably um you know I it's a really goofy um Mm -hmm. but you guys will understand it and you'll appreciate it so I'll share it with you when I first started at uh Comcast Sportsnet I was an intern so I started working at Comcast Sportsnet New England which is now NBC Sports Boston,
0: Boston. Right, right.
1: Yeah. And they switched over, you know, I was there for three years. So they switched over to NBC Sports Boston. And I started as an intern, was freelancing, ended up being a full time assignment editor there for a while. And I was young, you know, I was like super young, really green, like ready to get into the Biz and i had you know it was like my dream to be working i couldn't believe that i got a job right out of college working at like the local boston station and it didn't even have to be nesson it was actually like the good station and
0: <laughs> oh wow
1: oh damn hey we, we yeah. we've, we've, we've had
0: some guys on nesson on the show you know no yeah. offense no, 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 no
1: i'm I have friend I have friends that work at Nuts and it's I promise it's a joke. Um, <laughs> no beef, but, no beef. But yeah, no, 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 no beef. Um, but yeah, no I smoke over here. I was sitting at the assignment desk, which was like right in the middle of the newsroom, and it's like elevated off the newsroom. So when you're there, you can see everybody. And we had just started bringing Troy Brown in to do tea at Comcast Sportsnet. And he, you know, was getting ready, or whatever, still kind of figuring out like the timing of getting ready and getting out onto the set and whatever. And he Mm-hmm. Needed someone to help him put those, um, you know, the, the tie things in that keep your collar stiff, like those little plastic. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. And, yeah. About um, goes
2: not, in like
1: that. Yeah, yeah, like they're little plastic pieces. And he was like, I need someone to help me with this, blah, 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 And I was like, I'll do it. And I'm like, whatever. I'm losing my shit. Because like Troy Brown, to me, is just oh, like the epitome of my childhood yeah. watching the P I I was losing my right, mind. I'm like, right. I got the fucking plastic things and I'm like trying to get them in there and I'm, out. I'm like touching <laughs> Troy Brown, touching his shoulder and I couldn't. And I mean this, I had really, I had just, you know, I had been there for like less than a year and I just started to meet players and like had just started getting used to being around players and around the media and around these guys that I grew up idolizing, like making poster board, you know, like these, like in my room, you know, making these like signs for players and shit. And like, t- and and I'm touching Troy Brown and I'm like,
0: that's awesome. I've made it. I've made it.
1: <laughs> you know, <Wow. laughs>
0: like,
1: I was, yes. you know, and it was like, I've had so many amazing moments across my career and opportunities that like you dream of doing, but, The first time you realize like, oh, my life is kind of special in this way that I always really hoped it would be to me, you know, this isn't anyone else's dream and other people may not ever give a shit. They could pass Troy Brown on the street and not know who he was. But for me, it was so monumental. And I, you know, I called my mom and I was like, you'll never believe what I just did. And so like, that's, you know, I always want to share that story because it's not, it's, I promise you, it's not the coolest story. I promise you I've done cool, like amazing things and like things that people would find way more interesting, way more juicy but that's not the stuff that like reminds me of why I stick it out in a business that kind of sucks sometimes and that's the stuff that I remember of being like this is you've gotten like the chance to do the thing you you couldn't have dreamed of doing when you were like a kid watching these players play.
0: I think both Barry and I would love to help Troy Brown with his tie as well. So <laughs> yeah absolutely. That would, be, that would be really nice you know. Yes definitely. Um, and so I think would. Barry <laughs> just actually kind of you know transition the show because you know um we were talking about the patriots but we do something on this show where we you know we like to talk to our guests about you know their backgrounds and things that they've done and you know i want to thank you for coming on and you know giving us your thoughts on the patriots and you know everything you said was beautifully said and i agree with a lot of it for sure um you know and you're actually the second female um sports figure that we've had on this show and so it's a big deal for us for sure um, and I think one of the questions we asked is um before is like, what what would you say to a young lady that's coming up in the sport industry that wants to make an impact like you're doing?
1: Yeah, um, I do talk to a lot of young women that are coming up, and I try to do my best to make myself available to young women, um young people of color, like anybody who is a minority in the sports industry, which is everybody but white, um, like cisgender straight men. White and men. so, um so like, you know, I, And I apply that to everybody. But when I talk to young women, it's always a little different because there are some things that we experience in male-dominated industries that are unique, right? And um, a lot of what I struggled with when I was coming up was that there really just weren't that many women to talk to, to find any sort of guidance or to like, say like, is this normal? Like, is this type of communication normal? What am I supposed to do in these situations? Whatever. There just weren't that many people. And when there were a lot of times there was this idea of like, well, you have to put up or shut up because you're, you've made it into this male dominated industry. So whatever goes on, you know, with you or whatever said to you, or however you're treated, like That kind of comes with the territory. And so I I got a lot of that messaging early on. And luckily, we entered the sports media um, on social media age, which expanded our understanding of what was going on behind the scenes and some of the like more toxic work relationship type things that go on in all male-dominated industries. And like the biggest thing that I pass on to anybody is like, your instincts are right. Like anytime you feel like you're being talked to in a way that like doesn't make sense, being undermined, you're being, you know, harassed in any way, whether it's like sexually harassed or otherwise, like doubting your instincts is exactly what people, that people in power in these institutions want you to they want you to feel that way. They want you to feel like you're the crazy one. It's just like constant gaslighting. And I can tell women and young people, uh, young people of color, young non-straight people, anybody who's coming up in this industry a thousand times over all the little things you can do to try to minimize being taken advantage of or overlooked or underappreciated. But realistically, like every single situation is different. Every person is different. Their ability to handle certain, um, you know, interactions and like, just like conflict, like who knows, like I'm very outspoken. I have an easier time speaking up for myself than other people. But my biggest thing is always like, if you know something's off and if you don't feel like you're being heard in a situation or you're being undervalued or you're being like, you know, like everybody that's that tiny little thing in your, in your gut where you go home you're like, nah, that was fucked up. Like what that person said was, or like, that doesn't make a ton of sense that I got passed over in this situation or that like no one listened to what I was saying here. And, and it's. Like easiest thing in the world to just be like I'm the I'm being sensitive I'm the crazy one but you know I, I've found that trusting my instincts in those situations and understanding who um, who I can trust and when I need to push the envelope uh, that's been the biggest thing for me um, and it's sometimes backfired you know some there've been plenty of opportunities that i didn't get because st- stuck up for myself or because i was loud or because i was brash or who you know whatever else and so if you're willing to give up opportunities to be who you are you will land continue to land in the place that you're actually meant to be and that's a really hard thing to do but i'm like I'm always here for anybody who needs to hear
0: that's huge i think you know Barry and i you know we start we started a podcast so i always love sports and we love talking about it and we wanted to make our own You know, make our own content because a lot of this stuff is opinion based. It's like, right? We know what's going on. We watch football. We know what's going on. You Mm -hmm. know, so we have opinions too, and so we started the podcast. Um, I watch you on Almost Shameless podcast all the time. You know, on CLNS, I believe it's on. Yes, yeah. Um, Mm -hmm. you know, and I I believe I saw your last episode too. Um, you know, one thing I do notice all the time is I go to the comments, you know, I go to the comment section on everything, you know, just to see what's going on there's it's really a lot of hate and yeah. it's a lot of like sexist shit that it's like, yeah. bro, you don't know a 10th of what, you know, this lady knows, you know what I'm saying? It's like, right. uh, it's amazing to me, you know, um, mm-hmm. how, how do you deal with mm-hmm. that? Does that, you know, uh, motivate you? Or is that, you know, discourage the things that you're doing? How, how do you take the things like that? Cause I mean, you know, we're starting to get a little bit of that stuff too on our little small you know, platform. And I'm right. sure it's even bigger as we, we go along, but how, how do you deal with it?
1: Well, it's been a work in progress. Uh, you know, there's <laughs> like, there's a like threshold you hit where people start talking shit. And at first you're like, whoa, like it's, it's, you, you train your brain to be like, these are people I don't know. They would never say this to my face. These people don't care. But the human brain's not really wired to receive criticism from strangers in this way. Like we don't, yeah. We don't under, we're not evolved for this. Like all this technology happened way too quick. So it's going to get to you. There are going to be things you read that are going to get to you. I'm not telling you guys anything you don't know. You've been through adversity just like I have and a lot more just being black men in America. So I'm not here to preach Mm -hmm. to you about dealing with adversity and the way people speak to you and microaggressions and everything else. Um, But dealing Mm -hmm. with it online and just understanding that like there are going to be people in there like I've, I've finally gotten to the point where I am genuinely like grateful that people are willing to go in and talk shit because it means that they were watching yeah, and uh, it is hard to get to that point, yeah. but I, you know, I'm really uh-huh. proud of how Almost Shameless is doing. I'm proud of the stuff that I'm putting out. And I, you know, when I put out my Cam Newton episode and I laid into Zolak for what he had said about Cam, um, I got a lot of pushback, but I got a lot more people than I've ever gotten in my life email me, message me, DM me like crazy comment on the feed and say like, thank you for saying this. Like you legitimately, thank you so much. They were thanking, thanking me for just speaking what I felt was the truth. And like, to me, Every one of those messages means a thousand times more than someone who's going to be sexist in my comments because they can't find the words or the peace within themselves to say like, oh, this person has an opinion I don't agree with, or they, I'm threatened by the fact that they're a woman and they know more than me. Like that's their, that's their burden to bear. And mine is to like continually to put out content I believe in. And hope that it
2: translates with people and when it does that just means so much more to me than when it doesn't oh, for sure absolutely uh yeah just wanted that was a beautiful uh answer thank you uh, so much for that that was definitely inspiring uh but, but sure so i appreciate uh you know the, the advice on that but for sure i'll definitely apply that to to our podcast you know when we run into those situations moving forward i yeah. just wanted to ask you Tanya, uh, who are some women that you looked up to in the sports industry when you are coming up and you know making your way up the ranks? Like who really, you know, stayed had like the most, you know, influence and you know on on, on you?
1: So um there obviously there were fewer women when I started than there are now, which is great. That means that we're making progress. Um but my the two people that I always sort of remember as being really formative, not only as I was like before I got into the industry, but once I was there, was Jackie McMullen and uh, A legend. Yeah. Yes. A legend who again, another another crazy like moment in my life was like the no, like Jackie Mullen knowing who I was and <laughs> that's like awesome. no wow, yeah like dope. yo okay I probably should have told that as a story too. She when I left NBC Sports Boston she I, you know I kind of it was in a whirlwind because I was like I had been hired at NFL Network and I was like just driving across the country to move out and like and so it happened really quickly and I didn't get to say goodbye to everybody that I worked with and I came to my desk my desk one of the last days I was there and there was a note a handwritten note from Jackie like wow, saying goodbye. So cool. I heard your yeah like heard you're moving out to LA like you know we're gonna miss you here and I was like I have a like I I I have a picture of it that I keep on my phone just cuz like it was I mean she's like she's an OG she's one of the like really most amazing women Um, and she was like just always a, a real human being like she never got the ego she never got any of the crap that like you deal with with a lot of people in the industry both men and women like she was just a real person who was like one of the most important basketball reporters of an entire generation um and like it yeah it meant a lot to me not only to like see her writing and reporting in mainstream media in my childhood but also then to have her um be somebody that I like worked with early on in my career was really instrumental and then another woman that I worked with early on was Katherine Tappen, who, you know, another, legend. another like Boston, you know, sort of came out of the Boston That's media crazy. scene and is, has been like the probably the most prominent woman covering the NHL. And yeah. I, you know, and she we worked together on a project, um, like an all-woman's project in Boston at the time that I was there. And she was again so like generous and gracious. And I was so sort of like, you know, you're so much more, you know, you're so much more forward-facing and famous and everything else than I will than I could even like possibly imagine being at that like young age. She never treated anyone any different and she was always there to um support the project and to be like this like face of it and this mentor and so those two women specifically um, were really important to me. And now that I'm at Fox Sports and like I'm further along in my career, um, someone that I really look up to that is actually my age is Joy Taylor, who I work with and have like, oh, like
2: ooh, that's you another, know, one. Close with. another one.
1: Another one. Yeah. And she's, <laughs> and she's like, you know, she's just like a whole different, a whole different. She's like that millennial power woman that like we all want to be. And she like paves the way for a lot of people. She ingratiates herself with a lot of people. She brings up, um, you know, women and people of color. She like she fucking does so much to try to lift up people in a way that she knows would have helped her. And then also, exactly. And so I, even though we are so close to the same age, I want to be like her, you know, like I really do look Mm -hmm. up to her and I consider it lucky to have her as a colleague. And I think that, anybody who looks at her and is um, afraid of her brashness or her loudness or her um, opinionatedness or anything mm-hmm. else like that, like, no, like be more, be more like that. Like be more um, own yourself because she continues to like pave the way for a lot of people. And I, and she doesn't even, I think always know how much it means to, to, you know, other young women. And so, uh, yeah, those are, those are some three, you know, there's been, there's been a lot of people over the course of my career, men and women who've been like great mentors, and um, and you know, a lot of the men in Boston weren't so great. You know, they weren't mm. always they weren't always quite what you would want for a mentor. But um, but just I always have to do shout out to Gary Tanguay, who is like one of the best people ah, I ever that worked guy. with. And the
2: legend, Woo, that guy, You're pulling yeah. out
1: all the legends today. Yeah, Gary Tanguay was one of the best. He's one of the best human beings. He's a troll, he's a troll on the radio and he does what he needs to do sometimes. But in real life, that dude is like nothing but like a great person, never shady. Never hit on me, never creeped. Like just was like my a real friend and mentor. And you don't Mm -hmm. get that a lot with guys that are twice your age or whatever. You know, however old he is now, he's fucking old and in his fifties. I tease (laughs) him all the time. But yeah, but that's like you know, every once in a while you run into a guy like that. And um, and so I'll ride for Gary until the end of time. And I, you know, I'll tease Mm -hmm. him on Twitter and stuff like that. But I like to shout him out too, because especially because you guys are Boston podcast and like you know, guys are people are gonna Uh know who he is and. um, uh, you know that with all of the loud crazy dudes in Boston it can, you can get kind of confused on who's actually a good dude and who's not and I promise yeah. you he's a good guy so that's another one yeah
0: it's awesome Bear, do you have a last question Tanya so last question wanted to, you know
2: have a you know fun question for you uh and so uh your top five boss sports that
1: oh my god off the top of my head on the okay
0: spot. yeah I oh, know.
1: All right, so I'm gonna just do the caveat that like I'm only doing people that I watched play. Um, That's like, fine. I'm, That's you fine. Know, I, yeah, I can't do we every can, bird or anything like that. that but yeah. it's not the
0: Mount, Mount Rushmore. It's, it's yeah, exactly. It's
2: like yeah. my right,
1: favorite. As far as
0: what
2: you have seen. right, right.
1: Yeah. Okay. So my okay all time is going to be uh Tom Brady, uh Paul Pierce, the David truth. Ortiz, the Big Poppy. I'm I'm doing some math in my head on how I want to say this next one. I I want to go It's it's a really close tie between Patrice and Brad Marchand. Ooh. But but Ooh. I Ooh, but I really close. really like Brad Marchand. Like I I he's one of my favorite play, like athletes to watch play and he's, he's been like past. so good for so long. He's one of the best, like, I mean, truly, like a truly disruptive player to watch. So I have to choose Marshawn for being like a little bastard, which I love, you know? (laughs) He's a Um, pest.
2: Absolutely. Yeah. And
1: then then five. Now this is where it gets tricky. Oh, God. It's going to be a Patriot because the Patriots are my favorite team. And it's going to be, oh, no. Okay. I have to do it. (laughs) I have to do it. Julian Edelman. I have to do it.
0: Jules. I don't think you can go wrong. I don't think you can go wrong for sure. No, you can't. I know.
1: I know. It was really hard. It's hard not to pick, like, Devin McCourty or whatever, but, like, Jules is just, he's just so lovable. He's just thought, so lovable. I thought
0: you were going to say Troy Brown, since you helped yeah.
1: me. <laughs> right, exactly. Right, I
0: thought he
2: was going to be in your top five,
1: right. Yeah, no, I, I definitely, like, leaned, I feel like I leaned toward um, players that I was able to, like, cover, you know, like, when they were playing yeah. for some reason, like, that just yeah. kind of, like, that makes gave sense. me more energy or whatever, but there, you know, there's a, those, those early 2000s Red Sox teams and those early 2000s Patriots teams are just so full of, like, so full of players, whatever. But David Ortiz, I mean, the Mount Rushmore, it's right there it's, it's he's on
0: there
1: It's oh, absolutely ortiz. It's just, you know, no, no so. question yeah he he might be he you know it's tom brady's fast talking his way out of my number one spot i can easily replace him with david ortiz so he's gonna have to start he's gonna have to start making his way back into my good graces because david ortiz doesn't talk shit doesn't say one fucking word about boston that guy is loyal it's <laughs> Oh, man. He's so good. He, he loves the city so much. He loves the people so much. Oh, yeah. He never sent any of his friends or parents out to... Trainers. Uh, right, So, right. like, you hey, Tom Brady's still at the top, but yeah. he's got a short leash. Yeah.
2: <laughs> there you go. David Ortiz is a real one. I've had a yeah. chance to meet him, but, yeah, he's a great... So awesome. Right, awesome person. Oh, yeah. No, no, he's he's the best. That's, that's my guy right there. One good. of my favorite yeah. athletes in... My idols, for sure, and for it's funny because sure. real quick, people kind of say that I look like him too. <laughs> I don't know. Well, if I you've guess got there's it, like, that.
1: I mean, you look more like him than I do, I guess, but like, you
2: know. <laughs> <laughs> and it's funny because I asked him that question when I met him, and he just he just laughed and uh, nodded his head and said, "Yeah, you, you do, you do look yeah. like." Him. And we yeah. had a pretty good laugh out, out of that. That's but, awesome. Yeah. He, He's, he's the best though. I love him.
0: That's hilarious. Well, Tanya, it's been such a pleasure having you on the show. Um, you know, yes, you yes. guys make sure you follow Tanya at Tanya Ray Fox. That I believe that's on everything on Twitter. Yep. I think on Instagram, you're like Tanya underscore Fox. I believe. Yeah, if
1: you use Tanya, Tanya Ray, Ray Fox, Fox yeah, so easy just to put find. the name in. Yeah, you know,
0: you'll 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 get yeah. everything that she got going on. And it's been yeah. such a pleasure having you on the show. You know, I feel like I know you already. You know, with the yeah. bit of time that we spent you know, right. on here. So I'm really appreciative and, you know, you're down to earth and shot the shit with us. And, you know, that's what we do here at Pro Fan Sports Podcast. So thank you so mm-hmm. much.
1: Yeah, you guys, this was a pleasure. You guys are so fun to talk to. Like I said, like I, Appreciate anybody that. who wants to shoot the shit, is great but you also like really contribute to the debate and the conversation and um Mm -hmm. and I like what you're doing here with this podcast like I I I, you know I want to keep tuning in and I want to support you guys too so you know always let me know if there's anything I can do for you guys you're awesome um you know there's not you anyone can start a podcast anyone can do it but doesn't mean right. it's good. And you guys are putting out a good fun product and you're getting good guests and it takes a lot of work to do that. And, um, and I, I'm, I'm impressed with it. So thank you for including me in what you're doing and you know, we'll keep doing stuff in the future. I'm sure.
0: I hope so. I'd oh, love to have you back anytime. Well, yeah,
2: definitely. Yeah. That, that'd <laughs> oh, be man. great. If we could have you back, uh, on here, you know, to well, do guys, that at some point I'm gonna at
1: some point. point I'm gonna have to own up to my my cat. You know, Mac is gonna finish the season. I'm gonna right. have to own up to what I said. So you're gonna right. have to bring me back on so I can face the reckoning. Either way, when when Mac makes something. yeah yeah, <laughs> <laughs> I will come on. I will come yeah. on and eat my crow. Yeah, yeah. yeah.
0: <laughs> have a, have right, a good right. Eve. enjoy that weather. We're Definitely, right over
1: Yeah, here. enjoy that New England fall. Uh, that East Coast fall and thank you guys again and hey you know what whatever happens on sunday 20 years was good enough for me and we'll just keep it at that we'll 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 have some fun if if just warning to your listeners if they're going to be new followers i will be drunk and not working (laughs) on sunday i'm going to be at a wedding in santa barbara and i'm going to be drunk and so my tweets are going to be a little more saucy than usual
0: so just be prepared.
1: We'll make, we'll
2: make sure to retweet. Yeah, there you go. <laughs> Yay. We'll, we'll retweet your stuff. Definitely. Thanks for the heads up on on that. We'll, we'll keep that in mind for sure. Uh, All right, I'll well, definitely keep following guys. those tweets. Look forward to seeing them. And it was, yeah, th- th- this was awesome. Thank you so much for coming on and for your time and hanging out with us and, you know, talking Patriots, uh, you know, and, and in sports with us. So I really appreciate, you know, you coming on here, Tanya. You've been one of my favorite guests we brought on here and definitely will you know be following you and your uh showing content as, as well as I already do so I uh, you know appreciate um, your time and appreciate you for you know for spending this uh Day with us and coming on here.
1: You got it, guys. Oh,
0: actually, last lad.
1: Last oh yes, the connection. It happens. It happens. No, no, yeah, <laughs> he he missed out on the fun. I feel bad for him. That's why I'll have to come back next time. He's not in the car, and we'll do it. We'll do it. He better. has to edit. Oh yeah, he'll get all the he'll get all the good stuff. <laughs> yeah, he'll hear him. all yeah. of it. Oh yeah. Nice, nice. Well, thank you guys so so much. I will talk to you soon. We'll stay in touch, and Absolutely. um, and I'm looking forward to you know looking forward to sharing this with everybody. So I will do that when when it comes out, and we'll talk soon. Cool.
2: Definitely now. Send it too. I'll make sure as soon as it comes out, I get that um, link sent over to so you know you can share it on all your pages.
1: You know it. You know it.
2: All right, thank you, Tanya. You have a great night. Take care, and we will definitely talk to you soon. All right, thanks, guys. Talk to you soon. Bye. bye. All right, bye, bye. All right, that was dope, man. That, that, that was amazing. Having mm-hmm. You having? Oh yeah. Really yep. Yeah. A lot
0: of wear up.
2: And cover. Right. Right. <laughs> I appreciate you. Appreciate that, sure, John. I guess, right, 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 right. I appreciate it. Thank you, John. You
0: guys are subscribing channel. I yes, yes. To support, subscribe. Watch, subscribe. Yes. Like the like. On yes.
2: Out.